0: Hello and welcome to the Community Church Podcast, where we want to equip and empower people for life together with Jesus. On this podcast, we'll be talking with lots of different people from all walks of life to help us in our discipleship to him. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, and thank you so much for joining us. Uh, My name is Harry, I'm your host this week, and we have with us the wonderful Deb Nolan. Uh, She is a key person within the community, uh, the community church. She's a great lady and inspiration to so many people. And we've asked her to come on this week to share what it's like uh, being a single mother. She's really open, really honest, really vulnerable. She shares about um, getting to know Jesus, about the uh, meeting, the love of her life, and then the ultimate breakdown of that marriage before uh, kind of really walking us through what it was like for her as a single mum looking after uh, two children. So we hope that you enjoy this episode. There's lots of wisdom that we can pull from Deb whatever situation of life that you may be in. Here we go. Why don't you kick us off by um, just telling us a little bit about who you are right now, and then we'll start from the beginning and work up to that then.
1: Okay, I am um, a mother of two, whose grown-up daughter got married last year (laughs) at the age of 23, and I have a 22-year-old son living with me. Uh, I have been divorced since 2002, um and have remained that way single until now um currently i am a hairdresser three days a week and i am a counselor and i manage a counseling center for the other three days a week uh, a tad busy normally um and yes that's that's where i am at the minute Fantastic, and you are a integral part of the community church. Are you not? I am one of those as well. <laughs> and ch- church life is busy. I sing with musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, I help Jeff and Pam with their Gannett group. Yeah. Um, and so I suppose with that, you're sort of part of the leadership, low low level leadership team. More than that. Um, I've done. I'm on hospitality. Yeah. I've done kids work. Yeah. I've done youth. Uh just a bit of everything, a key influencer
0: <laughs> that, is for sure. that is for sure So why don't you um, kind of take us back to the to the beginning and tell us how you came to know and love Jesus?
1: I will and hearing you say a person of influence makes me think back then, um, I was no way a, personal, a person of influence at all, because I'd always been very, oh, let, let's do this, and just go off and do something. Hmm. Um, and part of my testimony is that I had done exactly that and gone sailing for 10 years. Um, ended up in Tenerife, uh, where me and my sailing partner parted company. How uh, did
0: you even get into the sailing side of things?
1: What's the um, Through skiing. <laughs> 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 I was long story short I'd had a boyfriend till I was 21 so all of my teenage years we split up when I was 21 because he moved to Bristol and I was like oh, freedom, life I can do all these things that I hadn't done before um, and skiing was one of them Okay. so I went to a ski club in Bebbington on the Wirral uh, for years um, we went on a ski holiday and I met a guy and I was with him for 10 years okay. he was into sailing right. so I went to night school to learn sailing never got <laughs> set foot in a boat at all um, did my day skippers did most of my yacht masters but you have to have so many nighttime hours okay. for to, to get your yacht masters certificate thing but in the meantime we went on holiday to, to uh, Plymouth bought a boat decided to live on it so we moved out of our houses lived on the boat and ended up going sailing uh, for ten years we just sort of left Plymouth went wow. to Jersey spent 18 months in Jersey and then just Coast hopped day by day, all the way around. Did some transatlantic deliveries to the Caribbean, came back, did it again, wow. came back. The way you do. Uh, yeah. um, very normal experience. Very though. normal experience, <laughs> yeah. So I never got my yacht musters because I went sailing and didn't actually come back. Um, right, okay. But I ended up in Tenerife. There we go. Second time round, the Lord works in mysterious ways because I never, I don't think I even set foot in Tenerife the first time round. Um, second time round, me and my partner split up and I met this guy in the boatyard because he was doing odd jobs um, and there was an instant attraction to him. There was something about him that was really vibrant and full of life um, and I found out that he had become a Christian about six months ago. Mm. Um, but he start, he gave me a New Testament while I was giving out tickets to Well and Dolphin trips on the pier <laughs> and I thought all I need is some religious stalker coming because I didn't want anything to do with that. Uh, if you want to believe in God, that's fine, but he'd have to come and say hello to me for me to believe. Um, but that's kind of exactly what he did. <laughs> <laughs> um, he Pete gave me this New Testament, and I'm like, well, okay, I've got time on my hands, so I started to read it. Um, and there was in the book of... Was uh, that
0: driven more by the attraction to the to oh, people? Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there, was no, there was no holiness going on at this point.
1: No holiness. But there probably was, from his point of view. Yeah. He was probably evangelising. okay uh, He was an evangelist and a very good one. Mm-hmm. Um, but not for me. I, and he was more of an irritation at that point. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, because I wasn't looking for God, didn't want God. I was quite happy doing what I was doing. Okay. Um, but I started to read it and it blew me away because I thought the Bible was stories of like um, Moses parting the Red Sea and Mary on a donkey. Uh, I had no idea that it was letters and because this, this was a New Testament, uh, okay. it was letters from people who were there and who knew Jesus. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. Mm. Um and I got to a point where I thought, I can't unknow this now. God is very <laughs> tricksy. Because before, I think I was an atheist, but I didn't know what I was an atheist of. Okay. I just didn't believe it. Yeah, okay. And that's it. Um, but now I had some knowledge, and I got to a point where I thought, I, I knew I had to make a decision. There wasn't a sitting on the fence with this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the one verse that stood out for me was, um, he who has the son has life. And he who does not have the son of God does not have life. And I'm like, I haven't got the son. <laughs> I know I have not got the son. What do I do with this? So I made an absolute nuisance of myself at the local church. I was there every single day. Right. Like, What's this? Tell me about that. Because right. I'm very cynical. Very yeah. cynical. Uh, and I was not spiritual minded at all. Um, not even in earthly ways spiritual. Um, and then... <laughs> how long was this
0: kind of process of going it to was church and
1: probably about six months okay um yeah it's probably about six months and it got to the point where i was just so frustrated because in part of me wanted to believe mm. but there was a huge part of me historically i was 35 36 at the time um and i thought i just can't go for this mm. i cannot get to this And I walked into the church one day and it was a massive big open plan place with windows everywhere and big pillars. And on this particular pillar was a scripture poster, which had been there the whole time. Uh, But I walked in, saw it, and it said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And it pierced my heart. It leapt off that paper stabbed me in the heart and i'm like okay god I'll stop
0: trying to work it so out that was the moment when god really spoke to you that was the
1: first time he spoke to me okay. and i said okay if you're the big god that you're cracked up to be i believe this much i understand this much and then there's all of this stuff over here i haven't got a clue <laughs> but i'll i'm just gonna go and walk with it so
0: so it's more that experience really of it took God to come and intervene wasn't it that that really made you take that step rather than reading all your books and asking all of these questions they brought you to a point Mm. but it was the experience of the person of God in that very moment which made you go this is
1: it well and the fact that he came and found me because I you know you hear stories of people searching all of their lives for spiritual answers Mm. I was not (laughs) not even with all the things I saw I wish I'd been a Christian when I was at sea because the things I saw were incredible but I wasn't on a hunt Mm. but God came and found me and that blows me away Mm. to this day Mm. that is so humbling that he came and sought me out yeah
0: And so in the the background of all of this, Pete's still floating around, is he? Yeah,
1: he was floating around. um, So uh, we we recognised a compatibility. (laughs) um, But to be fair, he had a a slight drink and drug problem at the time. He was a brand new Christian. He was a musician. He'd brought his whole self in. Mm -hmm. Uh, God hadn't dealt with everything. He'd dealt with a lot, but not everything. Um, and we felt like we wanted to be married, um, but I said, I'm not going to marry someone who is an alcoholic and a drug addict. And he's like, I'm not any of those things. Um, but he came back one day and he said, I think I might be. Yeah. So he went for prayer with a couple in church. They prayed for him and he was delivered and wow. set free just wow. like that. Um, so it took a while, uh, but a couple of years later we got married. Um, then <laughs> couple of years later we had Hannah and then very quickly afterwards I was expecting Aaron mm. um, and in that time he started drinking again okay. um, and unbeknown to me started doing drugs again which when I say drugs it was he was smoking dope okay but historically uh, his mental health wasn't good so it impacted his mental health okay um, and it sadly ended up in an absolute psychotic break oh, wow. um, so we'd been married for seven years um, he had a big breakdown. He was got, managed to get him home to Ireland. Um, his brother rang me and they said, yes, we've seen this before. He's in the mental hospital. It could be months.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I was there with two kids of like one and two at right. that point and no income. Um, so I basically had two weeks to hand it in my notice um, in my my flat. Church had a collection for me and got enough money for a flights home and a month's deposit on a property when we got here. So God was just so good. Wow. So, so good. But I had to pack up my life in two weeks, left behind my dog, my terrapins, came back with eight pieces of luggage. At the airport, the lady said, oh, you have a lot of luggage for your holiday. And I was like, yes, I do. And she didn't charge me anything for excess baggage. Um, so it, it was literally God just opened that door and allowed me to come home it was so incredible.
0: how are you feeling then in the, in the midst of all this um, obviously you notice that he, your husband Pete he starts drinking you know that he starts doing drugs you know about the mental health side mm. then there's this psychotic break he goes mm. what are you feeling in the middle of all this with your two kids and <laughs> all of this and then the burden of the, the husband as well who's going through what he's going through
1: it was interesting because while... So I was growing in my faith mm-hmm. from the beginning. Uh, I was active in church. I had lamented about the fact that there wasn't a mother and toddler group. And as you know, you then end up running a mother and toddler group. <laughs> um, and I was, I was working with other mums um, trying to give us Bible study because it was so hard as, as parents. While that was going on, he was backing away. So he'd gone from worship leader to not worship leader, to not connect group, to not praying with me. So it was that gradual backsliding. So you could see this all Yeah, place. yeah. What was the catalyst for that for him, do you, do you know? Um, I do actually. Um, where we used to worship, there was a bar next door where we would all go to after the, the service. So a bar in Tenerife is not like a bar here, it's coffee and everything. Mm-hmm. So we all pile to the bar. Um and he used to smoke. And it was an inter can't say that. <laughs> Interdenominational church. So there were lots of people from lots of places. Yeah. Um and he was judged for smoking. They commented on the fact that he smoked okay. as the worship leader. Um but bear in mind he'd been a Christian for only a couple of years here. And he had been delivered of a lot of stuff yeah. and he was free of a lot of stuff and was a work in progress. Yeah. Um, but he was judged by people yeah. and he decided he didn't like being judged by people so he he stepped down from worship. Right. Um, and he was a bit of a loner anyway. He tended to work nights because he was a musician mm. so he couldn't do the connect group thing. So he gradually, he backslid under my nose right. really. He, he wouldn't pray with me. And it, it it was that so I was going up like this, he was going down like that. We had several attempts along the way to make it work. Yeah. And at that point, for me, when we got when we got married, there was a an invisible tearing up of the divorce papers. Yeah. Because we we're like we are not this is we're in this for the long haul, uh, and we were in this for the long haul. Yeah. So I didn't admit to myself anything was wrong. And okay. my friends could see it, and they were like, "How do you put up with this?" And I'm like, "What?" Oh. He's just a street person, like he's just. there's just a lot of street in him, he's fine. Um, but it got to a point where I thought, actually, this is not fine. Yeah. Um, but I can remember one day, while we were still together, and he would go, he would be gone for hours and hours and hours and hours. Um, and I was probably close to a nervous breakdown. Aaron was born, so I had these two absolute babies. Mm. Um... And I remember just being at the end of my rope and I went into my bedroom, sat on the bed and I put my head in my hands. I said, Lord, I need your peace and I need it now. Mm. Otherwise, I don't know what I'm going to do. And this wave of peace just came like a big marshmallow (laughs) all over me. And I, I was in the room for all of two minutes and I came out singing. Wow. Um, and it was a life-changing moment wow. because I was in a life-changing moment before I went in mm. but it was a different change when I came out Yeah, and it's that sort of testimony when you remember those things that you think God is so good yeah <laughs> absolutely. God is so good
0: absolutely yeah. so he's in um, he's back in Ireland you have taken a flight back to the UK yeah and you land in, where are you now? Then? I land
1: in uh, Liverpool. Liverpool. Right. I landed in Liverpool. My sister lived in Birkdale. Okay. My mum at that time was living in Formby. Um And when I phoned her up and I said, there's good news and there's bad news. The good news is I'm coming home. The bad news is I think I'm leaving my husband. Um, and she said, well, you can't live here. I'm moving house. So I went and stayed with my sister for two weeks. Okay. She had only recently come back from Iran, where she was living. Mm-hmm. So I stepped off the plane. She launched me back to house, her house. And she said, right, she said, have a cup of tea. And then we're we'll going to the benefits place and we'll get you signed up. And I said, like, will you do
0: the talking?
1: Because <laughs> I, I was just a mess. Yeah. And I went into the, the job centre, ready to sign on job seekers. And she said something nice to me. I think I told her my story, and she said, "Oh, that sounds really hard." And I just burst into tears. Mm-hmm. I, I can feel the emotion even now to this day. And she said, "I think you just better go on income support for now, and then think of job seekers when you're a bit better." Okay. But within two weeks, I had a house wow. that I was living in. Uh, in between my mum and my sister, um, that I was on benefits which I was entitled to. Yeah. Um, and. I was just safe, yeah, just safe, Fantastic. unbelievable, a mess, yeah, absolute mess for a good couple of years, mm-hmm. but safe.
0: So going back to um, coming back, you said that you phoned your sister and you said, i I think I'm going to leave my husband. I'm going to leave Pete." So, ha, ha, what brought you to that place then? Was it was it the psychotic break, or had you was it just it was coming? What?
1: What was that? Uh, no, it wasn't coming. I mean, I until that, until the psychotic break, I had no idea he was back on drugs. Right. I knew he was drinking, and we'd had conversations about drinking, and I just wanted him to go home, do go to work, do his gig, and come home. Uh, but he didn't used to come home. He would be out all night doing whatever he was doing. Mm. Um, and until the day he had the psychotic break, I thought he was having a nervous breakdown because his mum had died the month before. Okay. Um and they hadn't made their peace. So I said to him, Right, I think you need to go back to Ireland, see your family, go and mourn properly for your mum, sort yourself out. And he brought a big lump of hash out of his pocket. And I was like, You are kidding me, where have you got the money <laughs> for that? Because we like he was the only one working. And he promised me years before he, he said he, he got stoned one day and he said, I know that if I ever do that, I won't come back. Okay. he lost his mind so much on the beach and i trusted him implicitly that he would never do it again and yet here he was he'd done it um and i actually felt almost an intangible cut in my heart like a it was almost like a i don't want to over spiritualize it but there was there was a cut at that minute that he brought that out and i thought mm
0: yeah it is an act of unfaithfulness in a way isn't it in that you didn't know about it he
1: promised that it was never mm. going to happen and
0: it, so that was the deal breaker That him it, going back
1: it was changed. because i thought well i can't even trust you yeah. now and if i can't trust you i can't respect okay. you yeah. if i can't respect you how do i keep loving you it, it was it was hard and i i to this day don't blame him yeah um i don't think he could help himself mm. it's really sad yeah when i see who he was he was an evangelist he was on songs of praise he would lead people to the Lord like that. He was the Irish, Irish gift. Mm. He was so gifted by God, and yet at some point he decided to throw away his his deliverance from drink and drugs, and take that road. Wow. So, and that was the choice. Yeah. And I thought, well, you've chosen that. You've made your choice.
0: And you couldn't be a part of that. And
1: I was not going to be a part of that. No. Um, and when I look back at some of the things that he wanted to do, uh, he had this friend round one day, and he said, oh. This friend has said that he'd babysit our kids for us while we're going out. And I'm looking at this friend thinking, that friend is not going anywhere near my children. Why do you even think this is a good idea? Mm. So it's that judgment impairment. Um, and, and, and the kids never saw it, thank goodness. So I think it's made a big impact on them, even though they've grown up without a dad, yeah. effectively. It's better for me than growing up with the dad who I know, because he's been in touch, has gone on and off of drugs and drink the whole twenty odd years. And that would have damaged them. Oh yeah. Definitely.
0: decision to come to really but obviously difficult in the monumental nature of it I suppose
1: it was difficult and um, Malcolm I met a guy called Malcolm while I was in Tenerife Mm -hmm. who uh, was the guy who got me into my counselling journey Um, but I had only known him as um, he used to come to the church and talk and do um, seminars and things unbeknown to me he was a marriage counsellor and a, an addictions counsellor. Oh, right. So when I came back to England, I got in touch with him and told him. And he gave me some really good advice. He led me to a book, um, a book called Divorce by Frank Ratif, uh, who is a South African Christian. Uh, and that was really helpful in helping me through the minefield that is Christian divorce. Yeah. And, and everything that is understood believed and and said to you Mm. um about divorce so what were your
0: kind of big takeaways from that moment from reading that book and making the decision
1: um in in the book there was a list of (laughs) 10 things um the first criteria was like if you're reading this book i am trusting that you have gone to every length that you can to save your marriage so this isn't just like oh i'm fed up with this let's go um but I I remember ticking about seven of these things. But the the big part of it was abandonment. Okay. Um, on every level, I'd been abandoned physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially. Uh, yeah. There's not a lot left. <laughs> <laughs> Run out of fingers. Um, yeah. Okay. A- and he hadn't kept his covenant hmm. that we when we got married we got married in Christ. That he would love me, and sacrifice and all of that, Um, and he hadn't kept that covenant, Mm. Uh, and that gave me, I think for me, permission to leave and permission to divorce. Okay, so you're back in England then. Mm -hmm.
0: You're um, you've on income support. Um, You're still a bit of a mess. What's the (laughs) process now, and how do you? How do you start life really, I mean you'd already kind of started life as a single mother but now it's real, it's, um, you're now in another country with your kids <laughs> as well, um, you've got to find work and all that kind of stuff, what, what happened then?
1: Yeah that was interesting, it was the first time I think I'd actually ever had to be responsible for myself because okay. from the age of 16 I'd had a boyfriend mm. uh, and then serious relationships where I'd been a partner to somebody, mm. and this is the first time I'd actually been on my own, mm. and the buck stopped with me, and it was terrifying, mm. absolutely terrifying. Um, thank goodness I had that, I had a couple of years, Grace, on the benefits and things, but I, I'm not one for being re- stationary for long. I, I I can't just sit and do nothing. You know, at first you think, yay, time, for about a week, <laughs> and then it's like, I need to do something, so... Um, In those days the income support people used to finance you to do training so that you could get to work Um, and I went on a hairdressing course Hmm. Um, and even that was a challenge because hairdressing I'd always fancied but I thought sorry for all the hairdressers including me but I thought it was for blonde bimbos (laughs) uh, and people who wanted to be an air hostess. That that was my option, hairdresser, air hostess and that wasn't for me. But I fancied it, and my sister really encouraged me to go for it. So I went for it, and the benefits people bought my kit. I still have a lot of it today. Um, Paid for me to do the course, so I trained to be a hairdresser. Best thing I ever did, (laughs) because I loved it. Hmm. Absolutely loved it. Why did you like it so much? Um, At the time, I was in an adult class, adult learners. So it really got me out of myself. I think I was stuck in this little... I'm a single parent now, I'm a divorcee, I'm on benefits, I'm doomed for the rest of my <laughs> life. Um, and then I was mixing with all these other people. And hairdressers are, are a bit by nature extrovert. Yeah. Um, the joke for me is that I am not an extrovert. Okay. And my worst case scenario would be being in a room with a stranger <laughs> uh, and having to talk to them for two hours. <laughs> And, right. and God has just got a sense of humour. Yeah. Um, but I think because I was behind them and talking to them through the mirror, okay. um, and I learnt quite quickly that if you just ask a question, the right question, you only have to ask the right question and they will talk, mm. which is great because then I can just listen. Well, you got to concentrate uh, and, and well. concentrate and do <laughs> do the hair. Um, so, how old were the kids
0: at this time when you were doing
1: this? They were, they were three and four when we got here. Um, so they were probably four, five, six, and seven.
0: So they were in school, which they were enabled in school. you to get Yeah, off. yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, and my mum was one of my primary carers, which was great. Not um, for you, for the kids, <laughs> and <laughs> for both of us, for all of us, and for my mum because okay. she'd missed their their upbringing at the early days. Okay. <clears throat> um. So when I qualified, I would work until three o'clock. So I I mobiled. I had a placement in a salon which I kept one day a week. And then I was just doing friends, mums off the school path and their mums. um, And I would stop working at three and go and pick the kids up. And then my mobile business seemed to just grow and grow. Um, So I ended up leaving the salon, moved house to a different house that had a bigger room so I could do my hair in the kitchen. and went fully mobile. Mm. And that was another best thing that I've ever done because it was so flexible. Yeah, okay. I, I just learned that I could work around the kids. Occasionally there were hiccups, like when the dog killed the budgie and I had a phone call from Hannah <laughs> saying, Mom, you have to come home. The dog's got blue feathers in his mouth and Aaron's hysterical. And I had to leave the lady in the middle of a blow dry and say, I'm sorry, I'm uh, going home to my uh, children. <laughs>
0: So then, um, how was it raising um, your kids then, as a single mother, um, from kind of the age of four or five, you're back in the UK, mm-hmm. um, you're working kind of full-time, obviously they're in school and stuff. Yeah. Um, how was that? Did you ever feel a need where you needed to find a, a new dad for them, um, were you... Um, concerned in that respect or were you just kind of getting on with it what, what was the kind of process for you how were you feeling
1: um it took two years really to get over the trauma of my marriage breakup mm. and then after a couple of years i remember saying okay god i'm ready now i'm out on the market <laughs> okay. uh never met anyone <laughs> never met anyone um, it wasn't, it wasn't and I, I wasn't driven f- with a need okay. for, to have a partner again. Yeah. Um, I suppose I was concentrating on bringing the children up and working and making ends meet. Yeah. Um, and thank goodness I have, I had my faith. My faith was great. Yeah. Um, the number of times I had to turn to God for peace, for strength, for wisdom, um, I had a couple of lonely moments, um, I can remember the kids watching television down one end of the room and I was sobbing on the dining table at the other end of the room, oh. um, and I phoned my sister and I said, can you come now so I can go out, I have to go out, I'm, I just have to go somewhere, I don't know where I'm going to go, and bless her, she came, um, I, know I just went out, but um, I, wasn't, I wasn't really lonely, yeah. I've, I've not ever been particularly lonely. Um, I, I've i dabbled in relationships um, early on I went out with a couple of guys they weren't Christians or anything um, but you get to a point where you think well actually you don't share my faith hmm. this just uh, this just is not going to go anywhere hmm. um, and I, end up, I would end up with like somebody might ask me out and I have this dialogue went through my head within a, a flash and I would just say no I'm not even going to go out with you because you, you see the pattern of what you, you'd you go out once, you'd go out twice, there'd be an expectation, that wasn't gonna happen. You know, it was just, it was just like that. So um, I can remember probably when I was 50, because I'm 61 now, I think when I was about 50, I said, Lord, I don't want to still be single when I'm 60. Okay. Um, but it has to be the right man. Yeah. It, it's your man or it's no man. Yeah. Um, but there has never been a man. There just hasn't been one. Um, and to be honest, I'm so busy now. Um, not set in my ways, but I'm I'm busy. My life is so full uh, that I actually don't need. I'm I'm not desperate for a partner. Yeah. Um. Okay. And God probably knows that. Yeah. Well, of course he knows that. Yeah. <laughs> There's no probably about it. Is there? <laughs> um. So what was what was kind of the
0: toughest things about raising? kids on your own then what was the what were the real
1: challenges in that the challenges is that you haven't got a sounding board Mm. Um, when you're making decisions when you're saying no when you're saying yes oh my gosh you know they get to 16 what can they do Mm. when how late do they have to stay out that was really hard Uh, and there were times when I'd have a good old rant at God and I'd say, you know, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up to bring these kids up on my own. I, w- I was supposed to have had a husband. This was the plan. Um, it, you know, what's, what's going on? This, this wasn't, I wasn't cut out for being a single parent. Mm. Um, I think for me, I had it slightly easier than a lot of people because he, my husband disappeared. He, he left, okay. he went to another country. So it's uncomplicated um, in that sense. He never wanted access to the kids. Mm. He never got in touch with them. He rarely got in touch with me. Um, and so I was able to be the yes and the no. Yeah. Um, and there wasn't another person that I was having to double check with. Yeah. Um, I've had it really easy. Although it doesn't sound easy. I've had it really easy, I think, because I've just been able to bring them up on my own. Yeah. Um my childhood was really stable Mm. Um, so I have stability I think within me Mm. so I've been able to pass that on Um, high school choices Mm. was another big one yeah and I got in touch with my sister and I'm like I don't know which school to choose this is terrible what do I do and she said whichever one they go to the go with the one that they're happy in because if high school is happy a happy experience, they will learn, um, good advice, sis. <laughs> um, but it was things like that, that the big decisions. Um, the day-to-day was was pretty much all right because my yes was yes and my no was no. And they didn't have another parent to go to. Yeah, Like, Mum said no, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but tiring, I don't think I went out ever In the the beginning, Aaron had real separation anxiety, so I I tried to go out with my hairdresser girlfriends. um, And by about half past nine, I'd get a phone call saying, he's not well, he feels ill, he's got a temperature. I would come home, he was sweaty and clammy. Oh, wow. um, Absolutely psychosomatic misery. And then within half an hour of me being home, he was fine. fine, yeah. So for years and years and years, I never went anywhere. Um. Yeah. Tough. <laughs> it was tough. Really? It yeah, was tough. It. You don't realize it's tough when you're in it. You caught up in the real life. Right, really, yeah, because yeah. you're too busy doing it.
0: Yeah. So where did um kind of finding the community church fit into all of this then?
1: Uh, that was so. I tried a few churches mm. when I first came back, uh, but because I'd become a Christian in Tenerife. I'd only known that interdenominational environment. It, okay. That was the only experience I'd had. So I was trying to find somewhere where I, I fitted in. Yeah. Um, so I tried a couple of churches over the course of a year. So I'd go like two or three weeks in one place, keep moving around, didn't settle anywhere. The kids didn't settle, I didn't feel home. Um, and then some people who I used to know from Tenerife suggested coming here. I think mm-hmm. they'd been through here. Okay. Um, And I'm like, oh, it's miles away from where I live. It's a 15-minute drive. (laughs) But it was when the service was held in the coffee room. So while the church was being done up. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know if that might be before your time. That was before mine. Yeah. Um, So I walked in through the first two doors, and somebody said hello to me. Walked through the second set of doors. Somebody else said hello to me. Walked through the third set of doors. John Sutton Smith said hello to me. Uh, And that was it. I was just like, hi, oh, I haven't seen you before. Come in. You know, all this kind of thing. And it was just love at first sight. Yeah. Uh, You can't get rid of me. (laughs) (laughs) I've been here ever since. And um, this family is my family. Mm. They're more my family than my family. Was it helpful for you being
0: grounded in a community of people like that in kind of raising your own little
1: tribe? Did that help kind of bring that stability, I suppose. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I can remember the first time I saw some of the youth Mm. uh, after the service. They were on skateboards outside with their trousers half down their bottoms, (laughs) the way they were in that age. Long hair, full of the Holy Spirit, Mm. skateboarding all over the car park, being youth, and my kids looking up just going, wow. this is amazing and those godly young people mentored my kids um hannah my daughter just bonded to jeff and to dave they become became like their spiritual dad Mm -hmm. um aaron was less so he got involved in musicians for a little bit but uh being a boy he he was more uh Less emotionally needy. Okay. I don't know if that's the right thing. Um. And he he got to about the age of fourteen and left church. Okay. Uh. He came into my room at eleven o'clock one night. It's always eleven o'clock at night, whatever it is, and just said, "Would you mind if I didn't come to church anymore?" Um. He said, "I know that you know how important it is to you, but w- would you mind if I didn't come?" Um how how was that for you it must that, have been a bit oh, well i didn't see it coming i mean i know i'd had a struggle and i know he sat there with a big long face for an hour and a half while we were here um but i think god gives you wisdom in the moment mm-hmm. i really convinced and i just said i just knew that to make him come to church would drive him further away mm-hmm. he was 14 he was quite independent he was bright willful. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh not, no not any more willful than i was <laughs> <laughs> um So I said yes, I said thank you for being so respectful in asking and doing it in such an adult way for like a young man. I really appreciate that. Um, And he's been open to prayer. I've prayed for him many times. Um, He loves it. He listens to loads of worship music uh, in the secular world. There's lots of proper, proper sort of gospel music in the secular world, which he loves. and there are words over his life that he's coming back Mm. just for me sooner rather than later because he'll make a fab Christian he's a very compassionate person (laughs) Um, but yeah, there were times when there's the few people in church who I knew that I could go to if I just got the blues and was just overwhelmed and I would go to those people Mm. and just say you can't fix anything but just I want to cry on your shoulder, <laughs> please. Um, but they, they, everybody here has been role models for the kids, mm-hmm. going from kiddies, kids' work, and the, the work that you're taught in kids' work, I can remember teaching kids' work and thinking they're not even listening. They're running around and having a great time. Are they listening to the gospel, the message, the lessons? But they do, and they did. Um, and Hannah is living proof of that mm. because she's, she's had that journey for herself and through Bible week and stuff like that going away with church and seeing the, the wider Christian life of kids of their own age I think is so important as mm. well mm. meeting other kids outside of our community church mm. Fantastic um, yeah.
0: So um, what would you say to anybody who's listening who might be going through that um, single parent life or they're in a really rocky stage of their relationship. Maybe they've had that spiritual cut, as you mentioned Mm. before. They're dealing with all of those emotions of guilt and fear and all that kind of stuff. Um, What kind of final, or what words would you say to anybody that are listening? What encouragements would you give to them?
1: Uh, I would have to say it was God that got me through, Mm. um, but not in a super spiritual way. It was the depth. It was just the relationship. So, get your relationship with God going. If it's not there, get it there. Um, because in the when the rubbish hits the fan, <laughs> when the things hit the fan, delicately done. <laughs> you, it's re- You can't just say, oh, "I'm going to pick my Bible up and look for an answer." The answer has to be from the Holy Spirit within you. Mm. Um, and it was the Holy Spirit that has ministered to me more than anything else I think mm. in times of crisis but you can't just summon that up on a whim. Mm. Um, it's cultivating that so whatever way works for you. Um, I, For me I'm a pacer and a prayer out louderer mm-hmm. um, so if I'm praying the house needs to be empty and I will, I will proper march around my front room <laughs> saying it and declaring it and out of that I end up speaking in tongues, singing in tongues, and God just speaks. He just speaks, um, and, and He has been my absolute strength. Um, I would say find yourself a mature spiritual person, mm-hmm. a mature Christian, um, who can give you sound advice. Uh, I had a couple of those. Malcolm was one, mm-hmm. Dave was another, Jeff. Um, who is grounded in their faith and not um, one way or not like blown by the wind mm-hmm. on things they know that they know that they know yeah. and they know they understand the Bible, they understand what it means contextually. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, like, for all the divorce things that people talk about, they read it from the paper and say, You can't do this, uh, you take the wife who's being battered are you saying you can't do that mm. you can't divorce because mm. you're married to your husband you have to put it up with it so it's finding someone who is is really grounded yeah. in knowledge, in faith and in maturity, mm. uh, cling to them <laughs> um, and cling to God um, and pray and laugh mm. I think having fun is massive and don't take it all so seriously mm. because there is life after divorce and mm-hmm. um, there's life after broken relationships as a single person you don't have to be validated by another person to be you you can be you by yourself Um, and if you can get that into your head that it's not having another person to validate you then you get your inner strength and that's where God comes in and he can do what he wants with you then it's great (laughs) so uh,
0: this may sound a bit strange but would um, I just feel stirred would you uh, just pray for anybody that might be listening that is going through that so that they can take Mm. something from God in that moment yeah
1: absolutely Father I thank you that you are the father of all fathers and I thank you Jesus that you were such a respecter of womankind Mm. Lord you protected women you looked out for them you lifted them up And you lifted their heads. You gave them identity. You gave them self-esteem. You gave them respect. And so, Father, I pray for anyone who's listening now whose relationship is perhaps struggling or perhaps it's broken altogether or they find themselves already single, whether they've got kids or not, Lord. I pray that you will just let them feel whole, Mm. Let them feel that wholeness that comes from knowing you. Father, give them peace. Lord, I come against any fears that are in their head because you're not a God of fear. You're a God of love and perfect love drives out fear and they have nothing to be fearful of. Father, that change does not have to be terrible and change does not have to be scary. Father, I pray that in the here and now you'll give them strength and that you'll bring people alongside them to walk the walk with them, to guide them, to hold them up when they need holding up, to comfort them, Lord, God with skin on. Father, just give them peace. Speak to them that special word that only you can speak when they need it, Lord. And just draw them close. In Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this today. I trust that it's been something that has been useful to you and that has spoken to you. Uh, if you want to get in touch about anything that has been spoken about today, then please do so at info at communitychurch.org.uk. You can follow us on our various social media streams, we're on Instagram and Facebook in particular. Next week, we have Deb finishing off her story telling us about her journey into counselling and what counselling means, how that is something for healing the brokenhearted. We look forward to seeing you there. Be blessed this week.